to wondering. And whenever we get to wondering, we get curious. And we begin to doubt things that we don't really completely and totally understand. And there's a very big difference in doubting something that you don't understand and doubting something that you have the potential to know. There's a very big difference in that. And tonight I don't want to look, about, uh, look at, at whether or not we think or whether or not we know. Because we do have a knowing salvation. We do have a, a, a knowledge of right and wrong, of good and evil. We have a knowledge of what God calls us to do. We have a knowledge of what God calls us to be. And we are guaranteed to know His will in our life if we submit our life to Him. The book of 1 John in chapter 2. The book of 1 John in chapter 2, we're going to read verse 16. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be at your house again tonight. God, thank you for the wonderful day that you blessed us with. Good services this morning, God. I pray that you would open our hearts as we open your word tonight, God, and speak to us through your word, through your Holy Spirit. God, help us that, that we wouldn't get distracted by this world, that we wouldn't be off track, God, that we could be assured of the things that we know through your word, through the revelation of your Holy Spirit, God, that we could know our salvation, that we could know your plan for our life, that we could know that you got us, that you'll take care of us, that you're a merciful God and that you're full of grace. God, help us that we wouldn't forget that. Be with us throughout this service, most of all for being lost one tonight. Here among us, God, I pray that this could be the day they could turn and accept Christ as their Savior before it be everlasting too late. Thank you most of all for Jesus. Through him we have hope, through him we have eternal life. In his name we pray, amen. There are three things that are listed right here in, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. And the three things kind of encompasses everything that's wrong with the world today. It really does. It just It's kind of a net that goes over all of it. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And if there's not something wrong with the world that this don't cover, please let me know. Because these are the problems that we face every day. Whenever it comes to something that is messed up in our life, it's one of these. Whenever it comes to things that is messed up in this world, it's one of these. Whenever Christians get off track, it's one of these. Whenever people find something to hold on to and they won't fully commit their life to God, it's one of these. And the question I have tonight that has been on my heart is if you claim to be a Christian, then why are these still getting in our way? If we claim to be a Christian, then why do we say, I think God wants me to do this? Or I feel like God wants me to do this? Or I know in my heart that God wants me to do this? We can know beyond a shadow of a doubt because we have the Holy Spirit within us. Our heart is deceitfully wicked. Our heart is something and our feelings is something that we can't go off of. Anybody ever been mad at somebody one day and go back and make up with them and be, be happy with them the next day? Happens a lot. Friends, family, marriage. Feelings can change. Have you ever absolutely loved somebody and then they let you down and then you don't particularly care for them? Feelings can change. What we think can change. Whenever you was growing up, there's certain things that we believed in. As we got older, we understood that these things couldn't be true. That these things couldn't happen and our belief system changed. But from the age that we're old enough to understand to the age that we're to the point that we can't understand anymore, the Bible is true. The Bible don't change. The Bible is forever. The Bible don't contradict itself. God's Word is forever. And God's word is our instruction manual. If you go back 
a year ago this time on the back of the little hook and loop masks that you buy. There's nobody bought them back then. But on the back of them, the warning label has changed. Now the ones that you buy says does not protect against coronavirus or any other type of viral infection. A year ago it didn't say that. Because of the things in this world that has changed, those labels have changed. Whenever the woman spilled the coffee on her from McDonald's, spilled it all over, got a million dollars from McDonald's, those warning labels on the cup of coffee changed. Everything had to change. There's nothing in this world that's 100% certain outside of God. And there's nothing that we can be 100% assured of outside of God. But the thing that gets us in trouble all too many times is we begin to think. We begin to think. And that is dangerous. Turn with me if you would to the book of 2 Kings in chapter 5. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 5. Hold your spot right here in 2 and 1 John. We're going to be back in a second. In the book of 2 Kings in chapter 5, we read of a man had a terrible disease that was incurable in this time. He had leprosy. And this man came to a prophet of God. He was told that the prophet of God could heal him, could fix him. And he came to this man in verse 9 of 2 Kings in chapter 5. So Naaman came with his horses, with his chariot, and stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him and said, Go wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was wroth and went away and said, Behold, I thought. Oh, man, I'm telling you. Behold, I thought. Does anybody in here know God's plan for their life? I did. Five years ago, you couldn't have convinced me that I'd have been standing here. We don't know what God has in store for us. But we know God will take care of us. We don't know what God has planned for us. But we know that it's in our best interest. Growing up as a kid, we would hear all the time, Daddy, why do we got to do this? It's good for you. Green beans, cabbage, anything else that come out of the garden that we didn't particularly like to eat, it's good for you. That's all the explanation we needed. That's it. That is all the explanation we needed from our dad who makes mistakes. So why do we need more of an explanation from God? Whenever he says to trust in him, Whenever he says to believe in him, whenever he says to follow him, to obey him, and he will take care of us, we need more. Heard the story of Gideon. Talked about him a couple of weeks ago. He didn't know. He wasn't assured. So he asked God for proof. I use the word a lot. God humored him. He wanted to show him a little bit extra. And he proved to him what his calling was. God will shake us if we don't obey Him. God will wake us up if we begin to think. If Naaman would have went and dipped in Jordan six times, would he have been clean? No, didn't obey God. I I can't say that 100% for sure for certain, but I believe in all my heart if he'd have come up that sixth time that he's still just as eat up with leprosy as he was when he, before he got to Jordan. Not only that, Naaman was expecting something different. How do we come to expect things? School has changed this year. For those of you who have kids in it, bless your heart. For those of you who are in it, bless your heart. School is different. 
Things have changed. Kids are no longer there five days a week. Teachers are no longer preparing one set of lesson plans. Things are different. What we expected it to be in August of 2020 is not what it actually was August of 2020. And September and October is going to be the same way. What we expected is not what we got because we have no idea what's coming tomorrow. We haven't a clue. What we expected is something that we created in our mind. I build things a lot and all too many times I get in trouble whenever I don't draw something. Because the way something looks in my head whenever I get started and the way something ends up is two totally different projects. They look completely different because I didn't plan it. I expected something different. But then whenever I got started, it didn't quite work out that way. Very few times do our expectations actually come to pass. A friend of mine told me in college, he said, if you'll expect very little of me, you'll rarely be disappointed. Made a lot of sense at the time. The more that we expect, the, the more that we try to create our own idea of God's plans for our life, the more that we're going to be wrong. The book of Isaiah, chapter 55, God says that His thoughts far above our thoughts. He's able to do abundantly more above that which he could ever think. Ever. He's able to do more for us than we can comprehend. And yet whenever he says, trust me, we say, give me more. Give me a sign. Show me why. We had some people in the Bible that asked for a sign. They didn't believe. Whenever Jesus came and stood before them, they didn't believe. And to this day, most of them don't believe. Because they needed more. We have everything that we need in the Bible and in the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't want more. We should trust. Here Naaman, he got to expecting. Whenever he came and he brought all these riches, and you can go back up in the beginning of chapter 5 and read it, he brought all this stuff to Elisha. And Elisha didn't even show up. He stayed in his tent. It's like getting... Getting engaged through a text message. It's not the same thing. It don't work that way. It's, it's not what you expect. It's not what, it's not what we've come to wrap our minds around. It's not, it's not the, the, what's the word that lawyers use? The precedent. It's not happened before. Whenever he showed up, he was expecting this man to come out and do some great and wonderful thing to, to lay his hands on him and to cry to heaven. Whenever Jesus performed miracles in the New Testament, he told the people to go and tell no man of it. He did that in several instances. He said, go and tell no man of it. The people never could. I mean, they always went and told everybody, which is the heart of being a Christian. But Jesus didn't do it for the fame. He did it for the person. He did it for the influence that person could have. He did it for the glory of His Father. And whenever we begin to think, whenever we begin to expect, then we're trying to predict what God's going to do. And that's, that's a bad rabbit hole to go down. In verse 11, Naaman was mad. He was upset because Elisha did something he didn't expect. Elisha sent his servant out. Nothing big, no fireworks. There was no big, no big happening, no big caravan there. and He told him to go get in the dirtiest, muddiest river he could find and take a bath and go underwater seven times. Put him on terms. 
And the man was just upset at what God had asked him to do. What the man of God had asked him to do. All too many times, we see the trouble. We see the difficulty without seeing the prize at the end. This man had an incurable disease. And the solution to it was to drop just a little bit of pride. Does pride ever get in our way? It gets in my way a lot. Anybody ever tried to put together a swing set without instructions? Hey, been there, done that, redid that, and then redid that again. We was putting together some screens to keep people out of the office at school. And we had three sets to put together. They were all the exact same when we put them together. None of the three of them looked the same. One was crooked, the other was bent, and the other somehow or another was made into a, a rectangle that's supposed to be a square. No matter how we done it, but we managed to not follow the instructions three times and build three different structures. Whenever we begin to think about what we can do, whenever we begin to work the problem out in our head, whenever we begin to look only at the problem and not at the final solution that God has for us, then we get wrong. That's all there is to it. We get messed up. We start to think and we get in trouble. Anybody ever told you you think too much? If they hadn't, you probably need to think more. But if they have, then you understand that, that overthinking something can become dangerous. Overthinking what, what God can do is impossible. We can't outthink God. We can't think above and beyond what He can do for us. It's the other way around. God does more for us than we can imagine. God does more for us than we can, can put our mind to, and we don't even realize it. man told me one time, a friend of mine told me one time, he said, uh, he said, are you saved? And that hurt. That hurt bad. Because he had to ask me if I was a Christian. If someone has to ask us if we're a Christian, what does that say about our life? A Christian lives a life that gets results. Results for God. Now it may be it may be different in the world's eyes, but a Christian shows the love of Christ. A Christian shows the attitude of Christ. A Christian don't go out and, and just do things for the glory of men, do things for the glory of self, do things to be seen. Here, Elisha was a great man of God. And instead of him going out and being seen and telling, hey, yeah, you leave all the treasures right here by the tent door, and then I'm a, we'll, we'll go over here and I'll tell you how to fix this problem. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. And up in the beginning of chapter 5, Elisha sent a, a word to the king. He said, bring him to my house so that he might know that there is a man of God. That he might know the God that I know. That he might see the God that I see. That he might understand the power of the God that we serve here in Israel. And whenever Naaman came, it came down in verse 11, he said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. Woo. God did so much more than that. I don't know Naaman and he's not really mentioned a whole lot beyond this particular story. But I do believe God did a lot more in this man's life than to heal his lepers. If he would have just healed his leprosy, then the man would have went away. If Elisha would have come out and, 
and, and struck his hand across it and hollered up to the heavens, then the man could have said, look what this man did. Look what Elisha did. It's not about what Elisha did. Amen. But whenever Elisha told this man, go dip in Jordan, obey God. Don't give me your treasure. Don't give me your money. Don't give me your gold. Obey God. Who gets the glory from that? What does Naaman see through that? Naaman saw and understood that the man of God never laid an eye on him. Who else could heal him? It certainly wasn't the waters in Jordan. No doubt there was a lot of people that dipped seven times in Jordan. The water did nothing for him. Dipping seven times did nothing for him. Obeying God changed his life. Changed everything about his life. I do believe, and, and I don't have Bible for it, take it with a grain of salt. I believe that whenever the man went back, he had a story to tell. We read about the man named Legion, often referred to in the Gospels. The man was possessed with devils, and whenever Jesus came on the scene, they said, there's nothing that we can do with this man. He's crazy. If Jesus would have went and grabbed him by the neck, and stared into his eyes. Then they could have said, look what Jesus did. Look what this human did. But Jesus cast out the devils without laying a hand on the man. This man changed in a heartbeat. This man was clothed in his right mind sitting at the feet of Jesus. Whenever this man went back in, in the community there where Jesus was, they ran him off. Because of the swine. They said, we don't want you here. But the impact that this man had whenever his life was changed, whenever Jesus came back the next time, they were glad to see him. They were all there waiting for him because he had changed the life of a man that no human could tame. It had to be of God. Whenever Damon's leprosy was healed, it had to be of God. And yet we allow things like medicine, coincidence, take the place of praising God in our society today. We allow things, and don't get me wrong, God can use doctors in a mighty way. God can use medicine in a mighty way. But God is still God. And whenever we realize and understand that we have a God that we know can take care of us, then we need to give Him the credit. There were several in church this morning that hadn't been here in, in a good little while due to health reasons. And God has taken care of them. There are several. My grandpa lived longer than doctors ever told him he would. Significantly longer. They said that he wouldn't regain his balance after the brain tumor and he was walking around. We serve a God that we can know has our back. We can serve a God that we know takes care of us. Turn with me if you would to the book of Luke in chapter 12. The book of Luke in chapter 12. Whenever Naaman was healed, he went back and he had a story to tell. Whenever God saved us, how big of a change did he make in our life? Can a person get saved and not change? I think a person may, possibly, if they try really, really hard to ignore and run away from God, they can get saved and remain the same person outwardly. But if we get saved, we have to tell people about it. Whenever we get saved, we 
We have the Holy Spirit within us. We have the joy of God within us. We have the hope of God within us. We have a testimony. We have something to be excited about. Not because we think. Not because CNN may have reported it. Not because we heard it from a a friend of a friend whose uncle's first cousin twice removed told us about it. We have it because we was there when it happened. We have it because it's something that we are assured of. Luke in chapter 12, verse 16. And we're going to read this parable. It's kind of quick. He spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room wherefore, uh, where to bestow my fruits. Where was this man messed up at? Did he mess up because he brought forth plentifully? No. God blesses the crops to grow. Is it a crime to have money, to have wealth, to, to have things naturally? Not at all. Not at all. But all too many times, those things get in the way of us and God. They get in between us and God. They get in the way of our relationship. And this man thought, look at that. There's that word again. He thought within himself, saying, I, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. In my old study Bible I used to have, I I had all of the I's and the the me's underlined. And they pile up them. He said in verse 18, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Not once did he give God the credit. Whenever Jesus healed the lepers, how many turned around to thank him? All too many times we allow the things of this world to get the credit that God deserves. We're all sitting here healthy. Is that because we wear a mask? Or is it because God takes care of us? We're all sitting here healthy. Is that because we, uh, we had the ability to make our car crank and get here? Or is it because God allowed us to come and sit in this pew? Whenever we go out and work, is it because I took care of my body good enough to be able to go and physically labor? Or is it because God gives us the strength to get up every morning? All too many times we... We place credit where credit is not due. We can do nothing without the help of God. We can do nothing without the strength that God gives us, without the knowledge that God gives us. Here this man said, look at what everything I've done. Look at everything I have. Look at everything I'm going to do. Turn with me if you would to the book of James in chapter 4. The book of James in chapter 4. Most of you know exactly where I'm headed. Book James and chapter 4 were encouraged against this thought. It's not about me. It's not about what I can do. Proverbs in chapter 3 verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thy own understanding because me and you as dummies. Proverbs don't say that. I just kind of threw that in there. But that's essentially what it boils down to. Whenever we depend upon ourselves, we're dummies. If you've never been a dummy or had a blind moment, bless your heart. I have them often. You're around kids as long as I am every day, and you'll have one too. It's difficult for us to never mess up. It's difficult for... I heard a preacher say one time, he was talking about Jonah, and we still pick at him to this day about it, but he was talking about being in the whale of the belly. And he was in the whale of the belly for about six times that service. 
He was always in the well of the belly. And whenever we asked him about it, he said, yeah, yeah, Jonah was in the well of the belly. He, he said, well, maybe he wasn't in the well of the belly. Maybe he was in the belly of the well. But ye without sin cast the first stone. We couldn't say a word to him about it. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to uh, be at that point that we're, we're all going to forget God at some point. We can't thank him for everything he's done for us. It's impossible for us to even know the things that God's given us and blessed us with. But we can be thankful for what we have. We can appreciate what we have and we can give the credit to God. James in chapter 4 verse 13 says, Go to now. Ye say that tomorrow, today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not of what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. Tomorrow is not promised. Ten minutes from now is not promised. But by the grace of God, he will allow us to get there if it be his will. Verse 15 tells us the way we ought to look at it. The way that the rich man ought to look at it. He said, For you ought to say that if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Whenever we start thinking, we start placing trust in other places. Whenever we start thinking, we start placing credit in other places. Whenever we start thinking, then we get off on the lust of the flesh. Whenever we start thinking, then we get off on the lust of the eyes. Whenever we start thinking, then things are only in terms that we can understand. But Isaiah 55 tells us that we're not going to understand. Whenever we start thinking, we, we get hung up in pride in what I can figure out. But we ought to say, if the Lord will, if God blesses, if it be in His will, I will go, I will do, I will obey. Whatever God asks, if it be in His will, if it's outside of His will, well, let's keep reading. Verse 16, But now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. Can we know God's will in our life? I believe with all my heart that we can. Can we fight God's will in our life? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can we ignore God's will in our life? Until he shakes and rattles us to the point that we can't ignore it anymore? We can. Can we refuse and run the opposite direction like Jonah did? Absolutely. But if you read the book of Jonah, Jonah went down to Tarsus. He went down to the sea. And he went down into the ship. Without God, if we're running from Him, then there's nowhere that we can go but down. Then the whale or the fish took him and he went down into the belly of the fish and he went down into the bottom of the ocean. And it wasn't until Jonah got right with God and surrendered to God and told God that, that he would go, that he was wrong, that he started going up. I've never been up choked by a fish but that was the first time that Jonah had been up in a long time. And I believe it changed that man's life. If we allow God to, to take over our life, if we surrender our life to Him, then we can understand and we can know His will in our life. 
We can know what our job is. Like the bulletin said this morning, we can know the commission that we've been given. And we have that knowledge through the Word of God, through the Bible, through the Holy Spirit. It's not something that we can think. It's not something that we can perhaps. It's not something that we can hope. But it's something that we know. I'd like to read verse 7 and verse 8 over here in James in chapter 4 and then we'll close. James in chapter 4 verse 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We read in the book of Job that God had a hedge of protection around Job. Do you think that hedge only applied to Job? Or do you think it could have possibly went further? You think God can put a hedge of protection around people today? You think God can take care of his people in amongst all the trouble and the mess that's happening throughout the world? Do you think God can take care of his people regardless of what come, what may? Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. It don't say beat the devil. It don't say get one over on the devil. It says resist the devil. To resist the devil and he will flee from you. Through the protection of God, the devil will flee. Verse 8 says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. While we have a verse of a song, I'd like to offer a verse of invitation. If anyone would have anything on their heart, we'll give you this opportunity.